Hi, and welcome to Authors on the Air. We are at BotcherCom, day three, 2023, beautiful San Diego, and so excited to be here. We're sitting and talking with several authors as they stop by the media room and visit us. And right now, I'm sitting across from Mary Joyce from San Francisco, California, and she's here to talk to us about her books. She has a series, uh, books one and two are out, and she's working on book three. But let's back up a little bit. Is this your first BotcherCon? It is. And it is. how do you like us so far? It's great. It's so much fun. You having it's a good so time? so much fun. And um, you know, the the vibe of the conference is really nice and, you know, people are really enthused to be here, which is just lovely. I think that lots of people got lonely oh, during sure. the pandemic and we couldn't see each other. And I think as creatives, mm -hmm. uh, we need the physical contact with our tribe. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that there were people who managed to write during the pandemic, but I think uh, in a vacuum, it's harder. Well, you know, my experience, I actually wrote the first of my series in the first three months of the lockdown. Mm -hmm. And it was a creative experience, unlike anything I've experienced in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I work in uh, biopharma. I work, my day job is oncology. I work in I call oncology, hematology, other kinds of diseases. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was in an office every day and we were sent home. We were sent home when it all began. And, um, yeah, there were all the Zoom conferences and the emails. But um, how do you replace all those pieces of the rest of your life out in the world? Yeah. What do you do? And I had bought a couple of mysteries right before all the non-essential stores closed down. And I was reading something, I had started reading something, and it was not particularly satisfactory to me. And I threw it across the room, which I don't do routinely. And I said, I've got to be able to do better than this. And it began. And the book one was called? The book one, book one is called No View. No, no View. No View. Mm -hmm. And the protagonist is Sidney Stone. He's a fifth generation San Franciscan. He, uh, back in the late 70s and early 80s, was a punk devotee. He became a punk um, promoter, then worked with other larger promoters. And out of that, he became a ticket broker. And that has been his career. But he doesn't conform to a lot of the tropes of the ticket broker. He is from this family, this established sort of social San Francisco family. And um, he, he, through his ticket broker, he knows a lot of people by being a native, he knows a lot of people. And his family has, his mother actually is sort of flower child with a marriage and kids. And she'd started a guitar school during the seventies. And so they've got this, they've handed off, the family's handed off the guitar school to others who run it, but they're on a board. And because of this board, he, know, he knows rock stars. And one night he gets a call, because as, as you've probably heard, Marin has a few rock stars living there. That's what I heard. And he gets a call from a fellow named Jack Fry. And Jack, who's not really a diva or a drama queen sort of a guy, calls up and says, bad situation here, can you come? And his manager has died mysteriously at the house. Manager had had a health workup a couple of weeks ago, no strained indications. What's happened? Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. So that is how it all begins. 
Wow. Yeah. So suspense, a uh, traditional mystery, uh, cozy, uh, what would it's you call it? It's not quite a cozy. Um, I will say that fentanyl is involved in the first story. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't call it a thriller thriller, but there are certainly suspenseful moments. Um, there's a chase through the Manhattans. Mm -hmm. There is a somewhat sinister figure named Xavier. And Sydney drives a 1967 Silver Austin Healy convertible. Oh my, oh my. Well, you know, it is so much fun uh, when you live in an area mm -hmm. and you read a book that's set in it and you go, I know exactly where she is. Oh yes. yeah, I, I can recognize that place. Or, yeah, that is that part is really, really a lot of fun. So uh, there are elements in there for California readers who will, because you're from San Francisco. I am. That's I am. your home. That's your home base. And so this is how the book began. And um, I would just imagine uh, you're actually the third oncologist mm -hmm. author that I have met in the last two months. Well, to be clear, I'm not an oncologist per se. I'm not an MD. Uh, I actually was trained as a European historian. But I found my way into biopharma over a decade ago, and it's been a very rewarding um, area of work. So there's a lot of, of elements in treating cancer in biopharma. Oh, absolutely. And I, um, I work on contracts. I work on multi-million dollar budgets. Um, a lot of those kinds of things. And, um, you know, it's ironic because I've, I've overseen databases that are used for the management of publishing projects in biopharma. So any abstract, any poster draft, any review article, there's a, I mean, a manuscript for biopharma um, easily take 18 months mm -hmm. from the point of inception to submission to a publication. And then the journal gets back to you and there are, our comments and there is a whole adjudication that happens there. So were you part of the professional publishing world for your for your job before you came over to start working in literary writing? Well, because I was trained as a historian, uh, I have all, I mean, I have a PhD in modern European history. And so learning about journal publications as a graduate student, which I did, I got a lot of that there. And I had a really great postdoc in New York after I finished my PhD. But then I, you know, I'd worked in graduate school and worked a little bit before, and I walked away from what I thought of as the real academy. You know, I've done a lot of teaching on the side, but I walked away after having a Rockefeller Fellowship, which is not really what you're supposed to do, but that's what I did. And I went to Silicon Valley, and it's very funny because literally my first 30 days at this job at this consulting firm at, in Silicon Valley. My boss said, well, we have this client, he's the CEO of a, of a significant enterprise software company, and he's recognized, he's a French executive, all the great American CEOs had books, and he decided he needed a book. And my boss said, what do we need to do this? Do we need an agent? What do we do? And I said, let me see what I can do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I don't know. And I was figuring this role out that I'd just been given. And I went back to her about a week later and said, McGraw-Hill would like a proposal. And she looks at me and her jaw hits the floor and we made a successful proposal because this was a successful company and McGraw-Hill was, was very intentionally developing their tech titles and it became a business bestseller. 
Wow. It was translated into, I think, nine languages. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I, I hit that one out of the park. And, and, and so then when you were ready to uh, publish your own work, uh -huh. did you go traditional route for that too? That's, that's what I think makes the most sense for me. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking for the perfect home. Correct. For your, for Correct. your, for your and, work. Um, the, the mysteries are all rock and roll mysteries and the characters have these different parts in, in that world. And it, the, I step out of that world too. It's not all, you know, backstage or what have you, but um, I am a huge rock and roll fan. I go to a lot of shows. And the first agent who read um, a couple of chapters of No View asked me, are you in the industry? That's, that's really a compliment. Uh, okay, I'm doing yeah. something right here. Yeah. That speaks to the credibility of your writing. Yes, that it, it, yes. and it, I, I've, I've worked on the, on the edges of the industry and I, I know some things about it. So I do manage to, to get out of biopharma from time to time. So what's the funnest part about writing for you? The funnest part? Gosh, I mean, I think when you've created a character or a situation and you know there's something in it and you're just going. You're just going. And are you, uh, do you write alone? Do you have a critique group? Are you? I pretty much write by myself at this point. Um, I periodically, well, you know, somebody will ask to read the book and or one of the books and um, I've certainly availed that mm -hmm. um i've done other kinds of writing and i taught writing in in colleges and universities and uh quite a lot actually and so i know what i like i know what what works for me i i like the idea of having a literary quality to my writing mm -hmm. but i'm also you know i'm not, I'm not proust <laughs> so who's your audience um, people who like rock and roll, people who like the Bay Area. Um, and, you know, it's funny because being from San Francisco, I mean, I, I went to Malaysia many years ago and people in the first hotel where I stayed had never been to San Francisco. But when I told them I was from San Francisco, their eyes just lit up. And, you know, growing up, my mother would tell me, you're from someplace very special. And when you're four, that has absolutely no meaning. But over time you start to realize and certainly the more places I go the more the more I feel like that well it's certainly one of the more recognizable places in the United States absolutely you know you might as well say you're from Hollywood you know yes. it's like yes yeah. that, that immediate recognition of this oh that's a, I've heard of that place yes. or I know of that place I don't know if I'll ever go to that place but I know about it exactly. yeah that that specialness about it so um do you think that there is still room for new female voices in the mystery field, in the mystery writing world? I think so. I think so. And, you know, um, every, it's not just that every generation is different. I think that every three or four years on the timeline, there's a different sort of experiential perspective. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was so excited yesterday to be on, to be attending a panel where uh, Sarah Pretzky was speaking. I mean, that way, I mean, reading her as a graduate student and learning all the nuances of V.R. Warshawski, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I, I mean, there were, I mean, I had, I had professors who were women who were tenured. And that was really the first generation that was really 
doing it at a broad level mm -hmm. where there was a good representation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think that um, in terms of, you know, women with different perspectives who are becoming published authors, um, I do think there's, there's still room. And, you know, I thought about whether I wanted a female protagonist or not. And I, I do like challenges. And I thought, you know, I want to see if I can create a credible male character. And Sydney is, he's different samples of people I've known. He's not, he's not modeled after one person. But I thought a lot about what kind of San Franciscan do I want him to be? And so, okay, he has attended San Francisco State. And that enables him to do punk clubs at night. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I, I think that anybody who's, who's thoughtful about their character creation, um, that, that's going to be interesting. So this is uh, a composite of San Francisco people that you've met or known or exactly. heard about. Or, right. Exactly. And he grew up partly in Marin. And some of the story takes place in Marin. It's not within the, the 7 by 7 strictly. Um, and so um, I definitely am drawing from the experiences of a lot of different people I've encountered. Right. And so much so that there is a book, too. There is a book, too. And give us a little taste of what happens in book two. So um, during the pandemic, I, especially the lockdown months, I would drive around San Francisco to see what was going on with it, because that really, um, it concerned me. It um, I won't say preoccupied me, but I thought about it on a regular basis. And I'd drive, I drive, I went to grammar school in Haight-Ashbury. Mm. And I would drive down Haight Street and it would be all boarded up, but there'd be graffiti. And I would follow the different sort of waves of graffiti around the city. And what does it look like? And what is it saying? What's it doing? So I decided, because I mean, really I was done with this story by, by July of 2020. I wanted the next story to be about um, Haight-Ashbury, at least in part. And um, the, the center of the story is this uh, fictitious, um, it's not a museum exactly, it's an archive of the history of Haight-Ashbury and the history of rock and roll. And it is um, patroned, if you will, by uh, a scion who doesn't entirely know what he's doing with it. It's well managed, but it's something that his father, who's a real visionary and real genius, had told him was needed. Mm -hmm. And the, the, uh, the archive is actually um, set on fire. Like there's a fire in the building. Spoiler alert, not a lot of damage, but it's this fire on Haight Street. And I will leave it completely oh, wow. opaque as to why this fire occurred. Wow, wow. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm excited. So how many, how many books of Interlude will be in the series? I haven't decided entirely. Uh, I, I was an undergraduate at Berkeley and lived in Berkeley, and so I want one at some point to take place partly in Berkeley. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see. Lots of room for you to, to continue on with the with uh, Sydney Stone's when story. When I thought about Sydney, I wanted to make sure he had legs. <laughs> well, it definitely sounds like he's got at least enough to get him through two books, so yes. we'll just hope that he keeps on walking. Well, the third one's about Sausalito. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh wow! Yes. So so you 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 you've got the books. So 
for someone like me who's still dreaming of the day when she can write the end on the first book mm-hmm. on the draft to, to to see someone like you who's already off and running on book three mm-hmm. right uh is is amazing and and i guess what because i know i'm not alone mm-hmm. what exact suggestions or advice would you give to your aspiring author who's just getting started, you know, she's got an idea, she's got a book, she's, she's, she's working on it. What, what, what suggestions, what advice would you give? One thought I have is that if, if you have the time, try to work on a page a day, a page a day. That was advice I got when I was writing my dissertation and it worked. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes if I am, if I have time to write and I've dedicated myself, uh, I will say, okay, 200 words. And if I get to 200 words, I can keep going. And you never know where it's going to go. Right, right. You know, um, so just the routine of, you know, trying to produce, you know, two-thirds of a page or a page a day. Okay. And for you, where you are now, mm-hmm. breathing in the same rarefied air as Sarah Paretsky. Mm-hmm. Who are your, uh, the people, the writers that you look up to? Mm-hmm. And what would you like the opportunity to ask them? Oh, that's a great question. Um, one of my real um, inspirations as far as creating a setting uh, was T. Jefferson Parker. Mm. Uh, I was in graduate school in Orange County at Irvine. And his representations of Orange County were the first that that I saw a fictionalized world of what I'd been living for a few years in a very different place in San Francisco or Berkeley, you know, and he really captured the nuance of those places. And he, um, he was in his first books when I was first reading him and he has continued. And um, I guess, you know, what, what I might ask is something like what, what inspired you in terms of continuing to create different different thought ideas and story ideas? Mm-hmm. Like where did they come from? Where or? did they come from and what are some different notes that maybe you decided you wanted to hit that you hadn't before? I think that we never stop growing. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think that's true for everybody, but I think that's especially true true for those of us who are creative mm-hmm. is that there's always there's there's someone behind you mm-hmm. that that can benefit from where you've already been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's someone up ahead who can help you out to get even further down your path. Okay. And I, I, I hope always that that is what people get when they come to a conference like BotcherCon. Now, BotcherCon is unique in that it is a fan conference slash craft conference. Mm-hmm. So you get... The best world of both, mm-hmm. you know, there are conferences that lean more towards craft or lean more towards fans. But but in any conference, when you come in as a writer, uh, you want to walk away feeling like you knew something you didn't know when you came. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a reader, you want to be excited about authors you've never heard about before. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. it's just it's an ongoing thing. And I I think it scares me. Uh, when I see this big uh, push for book banning, um, uh, it is almost as if this level of intellect mm-hmm. is under attack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I, I, I want to believe it's coming from a place of fear. And if we just can find a way to let the those people who are so frightened know that you have nothing to fear here. Mm -hmm. But I think that we are going to have to stay on our game, our job, so that we don't wake up one day in a world that none of us wants to live in. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I, I think it's a real danger. I think it's a real danger. So, yeah, well. Well, we, you know, we, 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 we write the worlds we want to see mm -hmm. and we speak out for every voice that needs to be heard and uh and uh, and thank you for adding your voice to ours and coming and sitting and talking with us today is there anything i didn't ask you that you think people should know about either mary joyce or your book oh good question um i think that what i would wind up with is that they are there i would like to think they're engaging i believe they are and they're a heck of a lot of fun Heck of a lot of fun yeah. is a good prescription for the days, right? You know, the, the time we've been going through right now, a heck of a lot of fun is something we can all use. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to stop and talk with us today. Well, Penny, thank you so much. My pleasure. And so that's another wrap up for an interview on Authors on the Air with Mary Joyce here at Botchercom 2023, San Diego, California. Thanks for joining us. I hit end recording and then